0: Good singing. Can we give our team another hand? They've worked so hard to pull this off today. Man, it's so good to see you here. Uh, I've got to be honest with you. I'm a little partial to a couple of you for sure, though. Um, I want to just say uh, how proud we are of two, two members of our family, Scott and Ellie Williams. Will you guys stand up? Man, we love you guys. We're so proud of you. If you don't know, Scott just finished a 444 mile ride through the entire Natchez Trace, raising money for uh, brain cancer research. Uh, Scott was diagnosed about 20 months ago, is that right? Uh, Of glioblastoma. And uh, Scott said, I'm not gonna just sit around and wait for this thing to take my life. I'm gonna punch back. And that's exactly what he's done. And he, how much did you raise? Uh, 28000 last time I heard. $28,000 he raised for cancer research. Yeah. We. <laughs> Thank you, brother. <laughs> yeah, right. We, we're so proud of you, Scott. Man, we love you, and I'm just glad you're here, Ellie. We know you're the backbone over there. And you got some family with you. We're glad family's here today. Man, thanks for joining us. Listen, if you uh, have not been with us, you probably don't know that we've been in a series in, during the summer uh, in the book of Acts. And this is our fifth and final summer, Lord willing, that will be in the book of Acts. It's been awesome, uh, and we're excited to kind of wrap that up this year. Uh, last Sunday, we were talking in uh, Acts 24. Uh, we're talking about the fact that Paul has, is pretty exciting. In the book of Acts, in this section of Acts, it starts talking mostly about Paul and his journey and his mission. And one of the things that's so cool is, it's like an action adventure movie, seriously. Paul is uh, there's a plot against Paul's life. These men want to kill Paul and they've said they're going to take a fast. They're going to they're actually going to not eat or drink anything until they kill Paul. Paul's nephew by God's providence happens to hear this plot and this plan and goes and tells Paul. Paul tells the Romans that are keeping him and in the middle of the night the Romans take Paul almost Five hundred soldiers, Roman soldiers, and they, they gather Paul uh, seventy of them are on horseback, uh, two hundred of them are spearmen. I mean this is this is awesome. this is movie quality, right? And they take them in the middle of the night, they take this one man. Why, why do you think it's important to guard one man with nearly five hundred soldiers? Because the gospel changes the world, right and, and the Lord said. I'm going I'm to protect this gospel. I'm going to protect Paul and what I want him to write and how I want him to live and what I want him to do. And so in the middle of the night, they take Paul to Caesarea, which is sort of where the, the Herod's palace is. In that palace lives a man by the name of Felix. He's the uh, Roman governor of the province of Judea. Uh, Felix is an interesting fellow. We've, we've met him. We talked about him last week because there's a trial. Paul is now being held in prison in this, in Herod's palace. Uh, He's going to be on trial. This guy, Felix, is the judge, and Paul is up against uh, these Jews that want to see him dead. And so Paul gives his side, the other side gives their side, and and, uh, Felix says, okay, I'm going to just kind of push pause on the trial. Even though Felix knew that Paul was innocent, he had been given this letter by the, by the Roman Tribune by the name of Claudius Lysias that said Paul's, he's innocent. I don't see anything he's done that's caused him to, to be worthy of death. So he's been given the, the reality that Paul's innocent, but yet he holds Paul in prison. And we're going to see why today. So that brings us up to our, our text today that Paul, uh, Felix has pushed pause on the trial and he's going to hold Paul in prison, not for a week or two or a month or two, but for two years, he's going to hold Paul in prison, even though he has nothing on Paul. If you have your Bibles or got a phone or something, uh, turn over to Acts 24. We're going to look at verse 24 as well. Just four verses today. It says this, after some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, and he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. And as he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed and said, go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I'll summon you. And at the same time, he hoped that money would be given him by Paul. So he sent for him often and conversed with him. When two years had elapsed, Felix was succeeded by Porcius Festus and desiring to do the Jews a favor... Felix left Paul in prison. That's our text today in the story of the church. Let's pray and ask God to open our hearts, can we? Father, Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for the beautiful weather. We thank you, God, that we serve the God who made all this, the God of the universe. So, Lord, I pray that right now you'd begin to open our hearts to your truth. Father, I pray that your spirit would lead us to all truth, that, that I would decrease and you would increase in this place, in every heart, And God, I pray that uh, we would just have an amazing time in your word and that you would change us as a result of being in your word together. In Jesus' precious name, amen. So like I said, uh, in this part of the book of Acts, we really are focusing on Paul, his journeys, what's going on with Paul. But if you look at our text today, the focus really kind of shifts to Felix. We get to see that Felix is sort of the main character, at least for today, and we're going to get to know a little about him. We learned that he's got a wife. We've learned that he's got some sort of spiritual interest and we've learned also that he has kind of a questionable character, (laughs) okay? First thing we learn is he's married to this lady by the name of Drusilla, which like I told you last week is an awesome name. I mean, that's just a wonderful, wonderful name. Uh, Let me tell you a little bit about this lady. Um, It it also speaks to the fact that the text tells us she's Jewish and because she's Jewish, we may know why uh, Felix is sort of favoring the jews right it may give a hint to that so there's not only that but let me tell you a little bit about drusilla she's an interesting lady not only is she jewish uh she comes from a long line of questionable people some of you are like yep me too right you got that uncle at uh, christmas and everybody's like oh i hope uncle so-and-so doesn't do the thing right everybody's got him right Well, this uh, little lady doesn't come from just one or two crazy people. She comes from a whole line of crazy people. Her grandfather was Herod the Great. Some of you might remember Herod the Great was the guy that is in the Christmas story. So when the wise men come to Jerusalem and they go to meet with Herod the Great, her grandfather, and they say, we've come to see the newborn king of the Jews, Herod the Great says, "Uh, I'm king of the Jews. And so they leave, and a little bit later he gets a, a... Gathering of Roman soldiers, and he sends them out, and they're gonna they're gonna murder two year old children and younger in Bethlehem, so he can try and stop this baby king of the Jews, right? So, he's not a good person. That's Grandpa. Her father is Herod Agrippa. Herod Agrippa. If you were uh, in our study back in Acts twelve, you might remember it had a really interesting uh, demise. Herod Agrippa was eaten by worms. I'm not even going to go into that. You can check that out in Acts 12. Her uh, uncle, Herod Antipas, is the guy who beheaded John the Baptist. He's also the guy that Jesus stood before right before his crucifixion, Herod Antipas. So just crazy people. Next week, we're going to get into her uh, brother, Herod Agrippa II, uh, who Paul will stand before in Acts 25. But let me tell you a little bit about Drusilla. She was 16 when she first got married. And history tells us she was unbelievably beautiful. She was a beautiful girl, and she got married. Well, Felix must have thought she was pretty beautiful too because he went and got a magician and deceived her and and pulled her away from her rightful husband. So now this is his third marriage. Are we getting a little sense of his character, the kind of person he is, the kind of things he'll stoop to to get what he wants? Uh, It's kind of crazy. So, I want, to, I want to say four statements to you before we leave today. We're only going to be just a little while. This is the first one. You can write it down. You can type it in your phone. You can memorize it maybe. But this is what the first thing I want you to, to remember spiritual interest doesn't equal spiritual understanding. Spiritual interest doesn't equal spiritual understanding. Uh, a few years ago, I went to the Holy Land, and a good buddy of mine is an amazing professional photographer. And I said, hey, if I buy a decent little DSLR, would you, would you show me some things on the camera and help me become a photographer like you, right? Couldn't wait. He's like, okay, sure. So he showed me a few things, and I, I got lucky. I got a couple of good pictures. But guess what? Photographic interest doesn't equal photographic understanding. I really don't know how the camera works. I just kind of got lucky on a few things, right? It's very similar when it comes to the things of God. We can have a spiritual interest, but spiritual interest doesn't equal spiritual understanding. Felix here is interested in what's going on. Why is Paul wanted, why do they want to kill Paul? What is it about the way, which is the name of the Christians that they gave uh, back in the first century? What is it about Paul and the way that that they want him dead? What's, What's going on with this guy? So he's interested in Paul, but he also seems to have a spiritual interest as well. The text says, he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus, I love this because the first topic Paul talks about with Felix is what? Christ Jesus. It's not how are you, where are you from, nice vest, you know. No, it's let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about faith in Christ Jesus. It's the most important thing that you can know and learn and hear, right? It's the first thing that he goes to. Then the text tells us, Luke tells us that they talk about some specific things, you know, sometimes we can read the Bible, especially if this is an exciting text like this, and we can skip over some of the most interesting pieces. One of the most interesting pieces are the three topics that Paul chooses to speak uh, to Felix about. Uh, the text tells us they're gonna uh, reason. Let me, let me read it to you here in verse 25. It says, uh, and he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment. Felix was alarmed. And he said, go away from the present, and when I get an opportunity, I will summon you. So you might remember Paul is a master of contextualization. When he was in Athens, he used their gods to tell them about the one true God. So here he's standing before Felix. He sees Felix, he sees Drusilla, and he knows exactly what he needs to say, and he talks to him about these three issues. The first one being righteousness. See, the thing about righteousness is if you understand it, If you have a, a, and it's hard to understand, trust me, but if you have an understanding, even a little bit of the righteousness of God, how holy, how wonderful, how perfect, how righteous he is, if you have a good understanding of what that is, then you'll have a good understanding of who you are and that you're not righteous, that God is the most righteous and you have nothing to do with righteousness. In fact, Paul put it this way when he wrote to the Romans in chapter 3, Verse 11, he said, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. So Paul is addressing with Felix this issue of righteousness. God is a righteous God. Where does that leave you, Felix? Right? He's trying to get Felix to understand the weight of his sin. He's trying to show him that not only is Felix a sinner, but Paul's a sinner every time we see Paul sharing the gospel, he tells his story. He tells about how he chased down Christians. He murdered Christians. And Jesus appears to Paul. And he saves Paul, and he changes his life. And Paul tells about how Jesus is the fulfillment of of all these scriptures of prophecy of the Messiah. He's doing all these things. He's doing this same thing with Felix. You know he is. He tried to help him understand that we are sinners in the hands of an angry God. (laughs) We are sinners before a holy and just God. And then he begins to talk to him about God's expectation of people. He says he wants people, God wants people to be self-controlled. But is that what Felix is? Felix is the farthest thing from self-controlled. He sees something, he goes after it. You might remember Felix was a slave at one time, and now he's a free man. And he still thinks as a slave, he does what he wants. He still thinks as a criminal, he does what he wants. He sits on his throne uninterested in the trial. He sits on the throne before Felix, before Drusilla. Paul speaking to them. He's helping them understand that you can't just do whatever you want. Here you've you've just lured your wife away for your third marriage. It's real clear that Paul is kind of making an indictment, if you will, on Paul, helping him to understand his depravity. And then we get To the last topic that Luke tells us they talk about. He talks about judgment. The Bible says that all of us at one point or another are gonna die, every one of us, right? The Lord's gonna come back at some point. There's gonna be some that will be living, but for the most part, all of us are gonna die. And after we die comes the judgment, is what the Bible says. Well, the judgment is where we stand before God Almighty. Whether we know him, whether we love him, whether we hate him, everyone will stand before God. And the people who love God, the people who serve God, can look at Jesus with this unbelievable love, this unbelievable joy, because he's gonna reward them for their faith in Christ, for their work, for the things that they've done to serve him and to make him known. But if you don't know Christ, you'll look at Jesus with unbelievable terror, because you'll be his enemy If we choose to not follow Christ, we we get in the category of enemy against God. And you don't want to be an enemy of God. And so at the judgment, you're either going to be rewarded for believing and serving Christ or you're going to be punished in hell. It's the reality of scripture. It's not my opinion. I'm just giving you what the word says. This is what Paul is speaking to Felix about. He says, God's a righteous God. You're unrighteous because you just live by your own whims. You have no self-control. But let me tell you something, Felix. Felix. Today I stand before you and you judge me. I, I, here I am. I stand before you. You're my judge. But one day you will stand before the greatest judge, God Almighty, and he will judge you. And what does the text say that happened with Felix? You remember? It says and he was, they reasoned about righteousness, self-control, the coming judgment. Felix was what? Alarmed. Felix was scared. Felix began to understand it began to hit home that, that yes, God is righteous and I'm not and yes, I'm a sinner and I've done bad things and I live in a bad way and one day I'll have to pay for that mistake. It's, he's beginning to consider those thoughts. This is what the Bible says about judgment, Ecclesiastes 12, 14, it says, God will bring every work, that means everything you do, into judgment including every secret thing whether good or good or evil. Romans 14, Paul writes to the Romans in in verse 10, he says, each of us shall give an account of himself to God. That can be terrifying. When I hear those things, I go, oh, there have been so many awful things I've done in my life. I have been a bad person. I am a sinner saved by only the grace of Jesus. When I think of people knowing my junk, it scares me to death like Felix. But because I know Jesus, I'm not afraid. Because he has taken my punishment for me on the cross, I don't have to be afraid, right? The judgment has already been paid against Jesus. And so Paul puts it this way, and this is what he's trying to get across to, to Felix. You need to have faith in Jesus, and he says this in Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Amen? If you know Christ, you've been freed by the spirit of life. You've been given abundant life. We don't have to be afraid. There's no more condemnation. But if you don't know Christ, that should alarm you right now, just as it alarmed Felix in that moment. It made him consider God's holiness and his depravity, his sinfulness. Felix is beginning to see, God's holy, I'm not. He calls me to live with self-control and I don't. I'm judging Paul, but one day I'll be judged. You seen this? It's Beginning to hit home. Here's the second phrase I want you to write down if you're writing it down today. Conviction doesn't equal confession. Conviction doesn't equal confession. Felix, it says he was alarmed. Uh, Who knows what that's about, but he had some sense of awareness, enough to give him fear in his heart, so much fear that he couldn't talk to Paul anymore, go away for now, I don't want to hear any more of this right now, I'll summon you again, but conviction alone doesn't equal confession, he's interested in this conversation about who God is, but he's not interested enough for it to lead him to repentance, for it to lead him to a new life, in Christ, when I was uh, see, I was a uh, sophomore or junior. I can't remember, and I was sitting in one of those buildings right back there in my youth group, and the youth pastor was preaching about Jesus. But the problem is, I had already made plans to go and be sinful that weekend, and I wanted to keep my plans. And, and the Holy Spirit was speaking so strongly to my heart, I can't tell you, my heart was beating out of my chest. This is literally what I did. I literally put my fingers in my ears as if the Holy Spirit would go, oh, I can't, now I can't speak to him, great. He can't hear me. I put my fingers in my ears because I couldn't stand the conviction of the Holy Spirit over my heart. I went that weekend and did what I wanted to do. I had no self-control. Friends, can I tell you, I almost died that weekend. It's that very weekend that God used that sinfulness, that moment of grace in my life to draw me back to him. That's the weekend God changed my life. But can I tell you, conviction doesn't equal confession. Confession. Just because you feel conviction doesn't mean it moves you to surrendering that conviction to God. We have to take the conviction we feel in our hearts and our lives and let it move us to genuine sorrow, genuine sadness, genuine repentance. Paul put it this way to the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians 7, verse 9. He says, as it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. You felt godly grief. What Paul is saying to the Corinthians, there's two kinds of grief, two kinds of sorrow. You can feel worldly grief and sorrow, or you can feel godly grief and sorrow. Worldly grief just does what it did to Felix. It made him afraid, and he, he, he made Paul leave, and he didn't want to think about it anymore. He put his fingers in his ears, and he went on with his sinful life. He didn't repent. He didn't come to Christ. Godly grief takes the conviction on our hearts The spirit of the living God, the spirit of life, moving our hearts and making us go, something's not right in my heart, something's not right in my life, and it moves us to know Jesus as our Savior. It moves us to be obedient to Jesus, our Savior. It moves us to surround ourselves with people that love us, right here, that know us, that will hold us accountable, that will walk life with us, help us to be the people God wants us to be. That is godly grief. That is what repentance is supposed to do. Felix didn't feel that. Felix didn't let this uh, fear move him to humility, to conviction, to repentance. He didn't let that happen. Let me tell you what repentance is. Maybe you've heard that word before. Repenting. Repentance is agreeing with God that he's holy and we're not, that our sinfulness really is sin. And we have broken God's law. That is repenting. When we come to that place and we realize that that's repentance. But it's not just our confession of those things. It's also our turning from the direction we're going to the direction God wants us to go. Some of you say, yeah, I repented one time at camp, and that's when I, but I still have an issue with all these different sins in my life. Then you didn't repent. Repentance is, God, I'm going my way, but I don't want to go my way anymore. I want to stop what I'm doing. Turn around, and I want to go your way. I don't want to live my life anymore. I want to live your life. I don't want to be a person of of no self-control. I want to be a person who honors you with my life. Felix didn't do that, so he sends Paul away. Verse 26 says, at the same time, he hoped that money would be given him by Paul. Ah, Beginning to see a little bit more of his character, right? So he sent for him often and conversed with him. I think this is such an interesting text because did you know that you can be convicted of sin and yet be square in the middle of it? Isn't that interesting? You can be convicted of it and be square right in the middle of that sin. That's what Felix is doing. He's got mixed uh, motives here. He, he wants to sin for Paul every day. One reason, so he can get Paul to pay him some money because he's probably been paid by the Jews. And so now he wants Paul to pay up, Right? Paul doesn't pay. Paul says, I got all the the time in the world, brother. By the way, can I just tell you, that's the attitude we ought to have as believers in Jesus. Some of you feel like you've been pushed pause on, that you're in a season you don't understand, you don't know what's happening in the future, next week or next year, and you're going, God, really? Please answer me, help me. But listen, if we trust in Jesus, we know that he uses every circumstance in our life for his glory. If we trust in Jesus, we can just wait like Paul and go, I'm here for you, Lord. If it's in this prison, if it's, his plans were to move on to Rome and Spain, but that wasn't God's plans, and so he was in prison for two years. So here, here's Felix with these mixed motives of bribery and yet some spiritual interest. Here's the third thing I want you to write down. Conversations don't equal conversion, right? So spiritual interest doesn't equal spiritual understanding. Conviction doesn't equal confession. And conversations don't equal conversion. Paul and Felix had tons. Can you imagine? For two years, they're basically living in the same palace, different rooms, of course. One's up here and one's down there. And Felix would get interested in some things. Tell Paul to come up here for two years. By the way, do you know the, the, uh, the longest in Roman law that you can keep a prisoner in prison if you don't bring a charge against him? Guess how long it is? Two years. He's going to hold Paul as long as he can, but he's got these mixed motives, and they're having these conversations, but conversation doesn't equal conversion. He sees the beauty of the gospel. He has an interest in eternal life. He, he wants to know more. But having conversations, even with the Apostle Paul, doesn't equal conversion. By by this text, we don't see that that Felix makes a decision to follow Christ. He doesn't surrender his life. He doesn't let that, that conviction, that fear, that sorrow move him to repentance. Listen, friends, can I just tell you this? Look, spiritual interest, even conviction, you're sensing that you're not really where you need to be. Even spiritual conversations that you might have today, all those things are great, and they can lead you to the truth. But you have to choose Jesus. There's an old saying. You know, I love Westerns. I'm a big Western fan. There's an old saying about horses that says, you can lead a horse to the water, but you can't make him drink. You can take him right up to the water. Here's the deal. Horses have amazing sense of smell. They can literally smell water and tell if it's toxic, tell if it's it's not appropriate to drink, and you cannot make them drink it if they don't think it's worthy to be drunk. Here's what I'm trying to say. I can preach to you every week. We can be friends and have conversations every day. You can even feel the convicting power of the Holy Spirit of a living God and not choose Jesus. You have to make a choice. You have to let that sorrow, that conviction, lead you to choosing Christ. Felix proves that these conversations didn't impact his life enough to transform his life. He proves it. He's choosing his own way. He's choosing the Jews. He's choosing... Hopefully, to be paid by Paul instead of having Jesus pay for his sins. Right? That's his hope. Verse 27, last verse says When two years had elapsed, Felix was succeeded by Porcius Festus, and desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. Now we see the the, uh, motive, right? (laughs) We see that there's these decisions that he's made that prove that God has not made a difference in his life. He has not chosen to follow Jesus. This is the fourth thing I want you to write down. Our choices reveal our character. Our choices reveal our character. Today, the choices you make will reveal the character that you have. If Christ is Lord of your life, then you're gonna be very intentional about the choices that you make you want to honor him with those choices but what we see here with Felix is that he did not choose Christ he did not make that choice to follow Christ even though he was afraid even though there was an opportunity Felix wanted a bribe right there's the first thing he wanted Paul to pay him and he left an innocent man in prison for two years both of these decisions both of these choices show that he had not been transformed by Jesus. So here's the thing, as I close. Felix didn't choose to follow Christ. What will your choice be? Because I can preach to you all day long, and yet you have to make a decision. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, right, he said, lay down your cross, pick up your cross, Pick up your cross. The cross is an instrument of death. It's where you say, God, I'm going I'm to die to myself. Pick up your cross, follow me, deny yourself every day. That's what discipleship looks like. It's not just praying a prayer and never following Christ. It's not just church attendance, occasionally I'll show up and that'll be good enough. Do you know Jesus? What do your choices reveal about you? I want to close, and I want to just make a point here about what conviction is. I want to make us clear about conviction, because some of you, even right now, maybe even watching online, you may even be feeling the convicting power of the Holy Spirit in your heart even right now. So I want to, I want to make some things clear about conviction. If you're feeling convicted right now about some sin in your life, some struggle that you might have, even if in your mind you're thinking, you know what, I shouldn't be living that way, I shouldn't be doing those things, I want you to know you can't even have that thought apart from God. Jesus says this in John 6, 44. He says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. So if you're thinking about Jesus, if you're feeling drawn to Jesus, if you're being uh, considerate of a lifestyle of following Christ, that's not you. That's not a coincidence. That's not an accident. Listen, that's the holy God of the universe drawing you, loving you, trying to say, hey, I've got the best life you can ever imagine. It won't be easy, but I promise I'll take care of you. It's the abundant life. Come on, come follow me. Will you choose to serve me? I, I think about Joshua standing before the Israelites. and Joshua reminds this group of people. He says, don't you remember what God has done in our people? Don't you remember God has brought us out of Egypt? Don't you remember he saved us time and time again? He's provided for us time and time again. Don't you know and remember our God? And then then Joshua says, listen, our forefathers chose to worship other gods. But today I'm asking you to do something. You either need to choose to follow those gods that our forefathers worshipped or choose to follow the God." then he says he makes it personal as a leader this you can't lead without making it personal and he says but as for me and my house as for me and my household in Joshua 24 he says we will serve the lord Joshua's saying make a choice right here's these idols here's the things our forefathers have done that have that have displeased god and then here's god almighty who has provided and cared and rescued time and time again who will you choose What's your choice? As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I think about Jesus. When he says in Matthew 11, come unto me, everybody who's weary, heavy laden, I'll give you rest. In other words, make the choice to come to me. Come come be with me so I can give you rest. If God is drawing you this morning to know him as your savior, to trust him finally. Maybe Maybe you've been running from God for a long, long time. And you know that today is the moment. Your heart is beating. The Spirit of God is convicting you. What will you do with that conviction? What choice will you make? Today, whom will you worship? Will it be God or will it be yourself, your own plan, your past, your own desires? See, you might be here today and you, you may have had some little spiritual interest here and there where you wanted to know some things about God but it didn't lead to understanding. Or, or maybe you felt the Spirit of God convicting you, but it didn't lead you to full-on, heartfelt confession. I don't know what the situation is for you. It's possible that you've got good friends that when you have needs, and you, you can talk about spiritual things, and you can say, help me understand this thing, and you have these spiritual conversations, but those don't lead to conversion. Make a choice to follow Jesus. So here, here's, here's the end. I want us to pray in just a minute. And my prayer and my hope is that you make a better choice than Felix did. My prayer is that you let repentance move you, not to just feeling something. Right? Not just, I mean, we. it can be anything. <laughs> We're in a beautiful place beautiful music, beautiful friends. We could feel a lot of things, but my prayer is that God would move you past the feeling of conviction to the point of conversion. That means to be saved, to know Christ as your Savior. And if you know him as your Savior, maybe you need to make a choice to follow him a little closer. Say, Lord, I've been going my own way. I want to trust you. That is my prayer for you. Can I just tell you, listen, I'll tell you the same thing Paul told Felix. One day you'll stand before the great judge. And at that point you'll have no chance to repent. Today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. Right now is the moment of grace that God has given each of us to say, Lord, we choose to follow you. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We don't want to stand before your holy throne in judgment and be punished Jesus is saying, I'll take the punishment. I took it on the cross. Believe in me. Hope in me. Follow me. Let's choose Jesus today. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for this beautiful sunshine, this beautiful day, and beautiful event even for our church. God, thank you for this text and the story of the church about Felix, about Paul reveals so much about Felix, and I think the most sad, revealing thing that we see is that Felix doesn't let the truth of God's Word, or the reality of his sinfulness, or the reality of God's righteousness, affect him in such a way that it changes his life. Lord, I pray that if there's anybody here in the sound of my voice on these grounds or watching today I pray that they would have an understanding of who you are, who they are, what you want to do in their lives. Maybe they could look back over their lives and go, Man, this hadn't worked. I keep trying my own thing over and over again. I keep making mistakes. I keep falling back into addictions. I keep failing. I keep, I don't know what to do. I need help. Yeah, you do. You need Jesus because nothing else satisfies. Lord, help us to see that and know that. Help us to make a choice. To follow you today, even as we pray as a group right now, I pray that you would open hearts and draw people to yourself. Father, you're the only one who can. Before I say amen, I want to just ask that you leave your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I just want to ask you, if you're here today and you're saying, you know what? I need to make that decision to follow Christ. I really do. I I want to make the decision to trust Jesus with all of my life and all of my eternity. I know I'm a sinner. I, I want to ask God to forgive me. If that's you, nobody's looking. Would you just raise your hand and let me see it so I can pray for you? Thank you, brother. Who else? I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just I want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? You can just pop your hand up and write back down. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Christians, would you just be praying? Hey, listen, this is what I want to do as we're finishing our prayer. I want to ask that you would just borrow my prayer if you want to. (laughs) You can pray your own prayer. In fact, it needs to be your own prayer from your own heart. God has convicted you, and it has to be your faith, your belief in this Jesus. But let me give you a prayer that you can model yours after if you want to, okay? So as I pray this, believe in your heart that Christ died on the cross. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and the Bible tells us you will be saved. So let me pray, and you follow this prayer. Father God, thank you so much for this day. This is a beautiful day of grace. Lord, I believe that Jesus died for my sins. Lord, I believe that you can save me right now. I believe that you can forgive me of everything I've done against you. Please forgive me. I'm sorry, Lord. Let this this conviction I feel in my, my heart lead me to this repentance that I come before you now. I'm sorry, Lord. Please change my life and save me. Save my soul. Thank you for taking the judgment on yourself on that cross. I believe in it, Lord. Now help me to walk in it the rest of my life for your glory and for my good. I love you, Lord. Help me to find the church to be discipled in, to grow deeper in, to understand you more, to walk in this abundant life that we're talking about. Jesus, thank you for salvation. Some of you are Christians and you know that maybe you've trusted Jesus (laughs) but you're just having a, having a tough time. And maybe your faith is, is pretty small right now. And the Bible says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So I just ask you, Christian, maybe you just need to have a conversation with God real quick. Just Say, Lord, I need to come home. And I'm so grateful that you forgive every time I ask. Please forgive me. Please move me towards obedience in you. Help me to walk in you, Lord, in obedience. Father, thank you for these people. Thank you for this day. Thank you for these six or eight people that raised their hands. I pray that, I pray that they truly just trusted you today, Lord Jesus. And your word tells us that the angels in heaven are shouting in victory and celebration over even one sinner who repents, one person who comes to know you, Jesus. So there's a party going on there and there ought to be one here. Lord, thank you so much for this time to eat together, to fellowship together, to worship you in such a beautiful sanctuary. We love you. We pray that you'd bless our food as we eat, bless our conversations, and just draw us closer together as a family, we pray, closer to you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.